you're listening, you're living, you're sick and wrong. Sick and wrong. Seek it, Ron. Oh, oh, I hope you guys still like this kind of show or something like that. You'll listen to it because it will be cool. And I'll see you guys later. This is Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. Brought to you by AdamandEve.com. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm your host, D. Simon. Uh, people, unfortunately, Wackily is not here this week. He had surgery today, so he's taking off a few days to recover. Uh, when he returns to the show next week, uh, his penis will have been sliced open and molded into a set of lovely labia. Will his new clitoris function properly? I don't know. That remains to be seen. I guess we can find out uh, from him next week. But uh, this week, I have uh, a spe- well, two special guest hosts, actually. I have Shane and Amy Bugby here. Um, Shane is an underground filmmaker, publisher, artist, author. Um, so, so is Amy. <laughs> and uh, you guys were also uh, on the podcast A Year at the Wheel, which is a podcast that uh, we promoted yeah, many times here on the show a few years ago. So thanks for being on the show, you guys. Yeah, and your Thanks prediction, and your prediction of one of us murdering one of the. I believe I was going to be murdered. No, they said the you were going to murder me. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's what it was. It, it, people, what we were referring to is so Shane and Amy took a year long road trip. Just, uh, I mean, you guys just left in a car, year long road trip. This is the election year. So what, what was this? This is like what? Uh, is it uh, 2008? Yeah, coming up, yeah, 2007, there you go. 2007, so you guys took a whole year-long road trip, and I remember, uh, I think you called us, and we were talking, We were, me and me and Wackerly were discussing it, Wackerly's like, you know what, I guarantee she ends up killing him, like, after a whole year of just sitting in the car, I would, you know, I mean, I would have, I would have gone insane, it would have been like The Shining, but in a car, it's a little bit different. Well- it could happen. Well, we did. It, it did get psychedelic <laughs> at the end of the trip. And you know what? It was uh, Amy held out very, you know, she did not kill me, even but though she probably should. That have. is good because then I would be lacking co hosts here for the show. Yeah, because I, I learned. Like I do it on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm totally joking about that sex reassignment surgery. That's, that's totally not happening. Uh, Wackerly actually uh, had hernia repair surgery today. And, uh, oh, I thought he was chasing the gift. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You know what? That would have been uh, that would have been something that I would I wouldn't th- think that he. You know, that's definitely something that I think he would do. But no, he he's not. Jason um, the Gifter. That's a Bob. You know, I hate to spin this out of control, but I think Bob Madigan right away, right away, chasing the gift, chasing or, the bug. Yeah. I think that's what he said. He puts on this fucking video when we go in his house, chasing the bug or giving the what is it? What the fuck is going on in San Francisco? Yeah, is this 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 weird whole like subculture of uh, I don't even know. I think it might be an urban myth, but it's like gay men that just are chasing AIDS. No, no. Bob Madigan has a video and it shows. No, it's not a myth. Wow, you know, it does not surprise me that uh, Bob Madigan went out in this video. Bob Madigan has showed me things that I will never be able to unsee. That's right. Like, That's what that guy's job is. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But you know, you know, I was wondering about this. Do you know anyone who's ever had a sexual reassignment surgery? Like Genesis P. Orge or something? I, I, I don't. Has Genesis. I, I've, I've known I think he's a him. woman now, isn't he? I, I've known him, but I'm not friends with them, I, I guess. Uh, I, I, I would was, like to. I, I would mean, like to. I would like to. I would like to see it up close. I that, would like to that, see that's it. That's what I was thinking. Like, I was thinking if Wackerly, who's been a friend, you know, a friend of mine, lifelong friend for a long time, if. He all of a sudden, you know, instead of having hernia surgery, was actually having a gender reassignment surgery and became a woman. Like if that would affect our relationship. And I really I actually think it'd be kind of cool. But I would have I would I would request to see it. And, and then, I mean, just being us, you know, our, our normal friendship and our normal podcast, I wouldn't be like, hey, dude, I want to see your junk. But if he had it constructed into a vagina, I'd be like, dude, come on. Just let me see yeah, it. But, but right. then you then you want to then you got to. But, but, you know, once it's in your face, then you want to smell it. And you want to taste it. I don't then, know if I'd oh, go that far. No, you would. You would because there's a pussy in your face. So you'd be like, let me just smell if it smells like a pussy. And you would be like, it doesn't. How can they recreate the pussy smell? See, that's what no one ever thinks about on this thing. Yeah. The pussy looks not that great. It smells and tastes great, but not, you know, it's just like, the, you know, so they can recreate the look. But Yeah, but, you know, I, th- I think they can do that. But, yeah, they, I don't think they would actually get the actual smell. What about the smell? So if you go down on it, like if I were to look at it and go, yeah, that looks tasty. And I go to. And, and it, it smells like? like plastic or something. And, yeah. And that's I mean, what you're going to do. You know better. You're going to go, listen, let me taste it. We're friends. <laughs> Turn the mics off. I'm just going to take a lick. It's not perfect. We're, we're buddies here, you know, but. Right. But, but unfortunately, that's that that's not going to happen. Well, maybe it might happen. I don't know who he he's getting his uh, surgery at Kaiser, so you never know what might happen at Kaiser Permanente. So Wackerly might come back to the show next week, and uh, with a vagina. So hope you know we'll we'll see we'll see we'll see. So this week we have uh, Shane and Amy. Amy's going to be sitting in for a bit on the show, and uh, you know I'm actually really happy to have you guys here. It's been a while. You know we we should have had you guys on when you finished your road trip, and that was like years ago. But um, you guys owe us a drink. When we came to San Francisco, we were supposed to get a drink out of you, weren't we? Yeah, I think actually I ended up. Uh, I think I ended up having to go to Michigan during that time, so I ended up. Uh, I think our, our paths didn't cross there. But yeah, you guys stayed at Bob Madigan's house, right? No, we visited Bob Madigan. San Francisco was a real cold shoulder on our trip. Oh, why, why is that? It was just weird. It was well because our trip. Started almost in San Francisco with the Adam Curry deal, and Pod there was a Pod Safe Music or some what was the company he was working with Medio or something like that. Doesn't matter. He was we had to deal with Adam Curry in San Francisco. We started there. Adam we Curry, the Bob father Madigan. of podcasting. Yeah, That's right. we so hung out with Bob Madigan and his and a friend, a neighbor of his, and they they were like, "Oh, this trip's going to be great! I can't wait till you come back to San Francisco. We're going to house you." And we get there, and they're like, "You can't stay with us." <laughs> it's kind of unlike Bob. Usually, Bob will take in any uh, homeless person. It wasn't just Bob; it was Ed the Creep next door. Oh, okay. So uh, you know, maybe there were like uh, extenuating circumstances or something. I yeah. think I, I think Ed the Creep had just had just gotten back from sexual assignment surgery, <laughs> had a pussy, and he was pissed. It didn't smell like the pussy that he had. I, I bet you he was disgruntled. That's what fucking Ed the Creep did, pussy. <laughs> No, but Bob Madigan was, uh, you know, Bob Madigan's been a, a fan favorite here on the show. He's been on many times. And me and Bob used to co-host a metal radio show years ago. How, how do you know Bob so well? Well, I know Bob from the, uh, like, I've done underground publishing for over 20 years. So I first ran into Bob Madigan through the mail 
<clears throat> when he sent me some crazy videos that I didn't want to see, like a like a given the gift or chasing the bug video or something like that. Um, I love how he doesn't like even. The, I love how he doesn't even know you, but yet he's sending that to you. Right, it's through the mic. Yeah, because of course I want to be eye raped with whatever he's sending me. But, <laughs> But he was a Mike Diana fan, and I started publishing Mike Diana stuff when he was deemed obscene. And I don't know if anyone knows who Mike Diana is, but it's Google. Google it up. His, his Mike, art's amazing. Yeah, and his, he, was a, he was a cartoonist that was arrested, physically arrested for his art. And I started publishing his work when he said he wouldn't, and Bob was a supporter of that. So Bob sent me some stuff that he thought I might like. And that's how I hooked up with Bob, and it's been... Uh, Love ever since. Well, did, did you? Uh, maybe it's maybe I heard this from heard this from somebody or a rumor or something. But did you do a show with him at the Bunny Ranch? Yeah, I think Bob yeah. might have told me that. That's correct. We did the Angry White Mail tour, and it was like um, it was uh, us and a Jim Goad and Mike Diana and Schizo. He's a San Francisco vomiting metal tour. Amazing uh, band. They're the first band I ever interviewed on Rampage Radio. He puked oh, yeah? all over some random chicks that showed up. But yeah, we gave them a bag of mushrooms to get puked on. And uh, oh, yeah, man. Lance puked all over their, uh, Lance, Lance Schizo, he puked all over their hands and their faces. It was great. Lance is a good guy to go out on tour with because when you want to collect merch money or you want to, like you're at a bookstore and you want to sell them books and they're giving you like, they want to dick you around even though you look like you're starving and on the road, right? Lance goes, I might vomit if they don't <laughs> buy a dozen books. It's and I go, no, really. Well. And then Lance starts vomiting out of his mouth and he can suck it back in. So yeah. I'm like, well, really? He's going to vomit. He's and got they, miraculous they, powers of regurgitation. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, but we got out of meals because he'd be like, I'm getting sick <laughs> off this meal. And they're like, just leave the store and vomit. They, people would buy books in a hurry. And then if venues were jerks, he'd vomit on their window. <laughs> yeah, we vomited on some bookstore in Seattle. And they would, so he just goes outside. The guy just got done cleaning the place. He just vomits over the whole fucking window. <laughs> Is great. So it's great to have a strong, I'd like to say a strong arm, but I, I had a strong esophagus with me. <laughs> Did uh, Lance end up vomiting on any uh, prostitutes at the Bunny Ranch? No. Oh. He didn't make it? Yeah, he made it there, right? Did he make it to the Bunny Ranch? Yeah. Didn't he, maybe he hung out. I, don't know. I think maybe he stayed in San Francisco. I'm not sure. The Bunny Ranch is something you forget a lot. At yeah, that yeah. Well, maybe maybe a lot of it you don't want to remember, but I'm sure. Like, I, I hope this vagina smells like a real vagina. <laughs> <laughs> it probably smells like a tuna factory in most of those places there, but you never know. I mean, you never know. And then that's not necessarily bad. I think Bob probably likes that. Did Bob enjoy himself at the Bunny Ranch? Oh, yeah. The, the girls came out, peed all over, and Bob's laying on the ground, lighting his pubes on fire, <laughs> and they're trying to put it out with their urine. So it was, uh, it was, it was tasty, to say the least. The show was in the horse stable. Wow. So. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great. Good times. Yeah, I, don't, good I, don't times. Think, I don't think Bob's any stranger to a horse stable, which is probably a good thing. So <laughs> anyway, you're so we're talking about your podcast, A Year at the Wheel. You guys started that in two thousand seven. Give it give us a quick gist of what the whole show was about. You guys took off and were you promoting for Obama or was it is during the campaign year? It was more non-voters, anything, but Amy, please explain. Um, well, we spent the whole election year traveling around the country filming video. Um, we put 150 videos up on our website, and I don't think any of them mention one candidate or the other. I mean, it, it's more about... One. I did one that was like... So wait, you guys were impartial. You guys didn't... Uh, right. You weren't partisan at all? You just kind of... I, just... Only did, I did one that said, what's a Kucinich? 
Oh, in okay. Ohio, because I'm in Ohio, we're right, we're about ten miles from his place, and I start asking people what's a Kucinich, and they're like, I don't know what is a Kucinich, so they know who we, you know. Anyway, <laughs> some we're on the road. Give me a fucking break. So it wasn't always the greatest ideas, but we're on the road, broke, <laughs> starving, and doing a video a day. Working so sometimes, sometimes <laughs> it was, a, a, and we're trying to survive without getting killed. Like we had just remember we're the satanic soda makers that just got ran out of an upper Minnesota town. Yeah, then, yeah. That's, that's what I actually going to get to that in a little bit. Yeah, then we're hitting the road. So we're a little trying to hold back. And also, you see, the whole time on this trip, I'm thinking, fuck America. I'm going to paint a dam- damning document on this, pe- this thing, and I'm going to get a bunch of fucking – I'm going to get these people to say things on video that is just going to just just paint the picture that I thought needed to be painted. I mean, it just it didn't work out that way, um, actually. It worked out a lot different. So, so. can people still – do you still have those uh, episodes of Year at the Wheel posted yes. online? I have a Year at the Wheel. We have a Year at the Wheel.com, and we have them on YouTube, and they'll, we'll keep them up forever. There's a, there's a lot of good ones. So people – and you interviewed, like, celebrities along the way, too. You know, or, you know underground celebrities, underground uh, figures. Sometimes we did. We talked to John Sinclair or Mike Williams, My A God, and we did talk to people that were uh, – I, I, I mean, Joel Peter Wicken is a photographer. I think yeah, yeah, just, yeah, Wicken. Yeah, so we did we did talk to people like that, but we tried to talk to. It was amazing, dude. Our trip worked out on accident to be a, and I'm a fucking atheist, satanic freak. Okay, nihilistic in a lot of ways, but it was for lack of a better word, it was more than a podcast or what we started off as a project for Adam Curry. It became a spiritual awakening, but I'm an atheist, so I'm not in <laughs> necessarily. But it was like a very much uh, like, like an the, epiphanal experience. It was moving. Yeah, man, it, it was like. a really crazy thing, and we kept running into wizards on the road that were just like like Whitkin when we interviewed like, like Whitkin, Harry Potter kind of thing. Oh, dude, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, almost. It was yeah, almost. We interviewed Joe Peter Whitkin. And we go, and the that guy said no man. the whole time. What? That guy's an odd man. Yeah, he said no the whole time. Amy calls him because he's listed in the Albuquerque phone book. I mean, you, you can just call him. And Amy calls him. He's like, no, absolutely not. And Amy's like, come on, no, no. He keeps saying no. All of a sudden, I know. We're, he's like, okay, I'm going to give you two minutes. And we go in there. He gives us 30 minutes, and he, he talks, and he looks at me. And right when I'm about to utter the question, he goes, like, no, no, like, you're an idiot. You're a stooge. But he doesn't say that to me. He looks at me like I'm a stooge. He gives you and this like, dismissive look. Yeah. And then he answers the question that I was about to ask. I mean, it was incredible. Like every question we were going to ask, he answered before we could. He understood the road trip that we were tripping on or whatever. It just was weird. Wow. Was, yeah. Now that is strange. And so where, where did you guys go? You went from you left Illinois and then went where? We went from Illinois. We tried to travel safely with the weather so we went south to um well through the south st louis louisville uh, we went up to ohio kentucky then we went down to like the gulf states new orleans we spent um mardi gras in oh yeah new orleans we went to austin texas yeah well, on our trip, it was amazing because we stayed. We didn't stay with a lot of friends. The only place we expected to stay with friends was San Francisco, where that guy <laughs> sprouted a fake vagina. Uh, excuse me. Anyway, we stayed with Baptists and Republicans along the way. Really scary people, the people that just got run out of a 
town for being. So you just kind of randomly would show up and just stay at someone's house, or did you have some kind of connection well, to these people? We would put Craig from Craigslist. We also videotaped him, and without Craigslist, our trip would have never happened. But we then, would put ads on Craigslist saying where we were going. We had a general map of the direction we were going in. So, and so we people would, would offer you their uh, their their abode. Yeah. Room and, yeah. room and board. Really receptive, really friendly. And um, we I, did all kinds of weird odd jobs to earn gas money and stuff. I like, bought, Did you say odd jobs or hand jobs? Both. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did the hand jobs. She, she did the hand yeah, jobs. Amy just I, watched. I yeah. bottled rum for a couple weeks in We New bottled Orleans rum. I did not do a lot. I did a lot of the video editing and stuff like that. Amy did go out and do a lot of the gigs. But we'd find gigs on Craigslist all day long. Or people would donate money a lot. Like, there would be just people that would, would donate money. Like, well, I know. imagine people I mean, must have been uh, supportive of it. So, so when it ended after a year, and did you guys feel like you accomplished what you set out to do? Well, we went to Washington D.C. Well, you got to hold, hold on, night. hold on one second. You got to understand when we set out, we were doing something totally different. The day that we were leaving, remember, we had a sponsor that was dropping yeah, yeah. a car for us to drive and was paying for our gas and lodging. When we left, the day we left, we understood they were trying to steal the idea from us because people at the, the, their company told us this. And their contract said this, and my lawyer said, "Yeah, and the lawyer said this contract's insane. Don't sign it." So I told him I couldn't because my lawyer said I couldn't, and and then that was it. And anyway, we left with sixty bucks. So did we set out to do what we wanted to do? Um, I would say that yes, but it was like in a very, very art way, like a very accidental way. I asked questions. I came up with a list of questions real quick off the tip of my mind, and we hit the road and asked them. And they were all really deep questions that I was really looking for answers for. I'd been doing this underground publishing for like 20 years. And, and so at this point, I was really at a breaking point. See, Amy, you're lucky. He was about to flip his shit. You were lucky he didn't have a chainsaw. Yeah. yeah, it, was <laughs> yeah just an intense, it was just an intense moment for me. <laughs> Whatever. It was just weird. Uh, uh. So you were saying that uh, you, you can you're, the year at the wheel dot com is still up there. The videos are on YouTube, but you also said you're putting together a book, uh, DVD set, that yeah. kind of thing. It's like a four hundred and fifty page book, and uh, the DVD it's two movies. There's two different movies. Um, there's one about us getting run out of town and how our trip happened. And then there's just one that uh, this video sort of goes along with the book. It can't really be separate, but it's sort of like a culmination of my hundred and fifty videos. You know what I mean? Like I yeah, did a hundred yeah. short videos and this is like the movie that goes along with those videos. And it's just these people. It's just like, it's just like a slanted conversation with a bunch of Americans. And when you watch it, it, it seems like that. I think, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely want to check it out when you guys finally, when you, when it comes out, just, uh, you know, send me an email and uh, we'll promote it on the show. Dude, I usually make product and shit that I think I can hustle to people. And like this thing that I made here. I don't really give a fuck what anyone thinks. I just know it's done, and I was happy with it. Well, you that know, that's the thing. It, it's a remarkable achievement what you guys did. I, there's no way I'd be able to do that. Well, uh, another thing I was, I was wondering about here is that along the way, is that where you picked up Ed Gein's tombstone? Because I know that's something that you're a bit notorious for, Shane, is that you owned Ed Gein's tombstone or stole Ed Gein's tombstone. Something with Ed Gein's tombstone. Okay. Um, What's the deal with that? Okay, this has nothing to do with the year at the wheel. And nothing to do with oh, the this was before. Yeah, yeah, this is way before. Um, 
<laughs> so, um, Ed Gein's tombstone. <laughs> I had, yes, Get we ready had for Ed story Gein. time. We had Ed Gein's tombstone as the third seat in our van, our delivery van, for a couple of years. Um, Where'd you I get it? One, well, <laughs> from the cemetery. <laughs> from the cemetery. Well, I'm not. I, I'm going I'm to work into that. I know it's weird. I'm sorry, D. You know, this is just the way Shane works. This way. Okay. Okay. I, All right. I just. I'll quit well, interrupting. I'm. I'm Jewish. I want Amy to I punch me in the face because I just spoke about myself in a third person. I've never. <laughs> thank you. So we went up. <laughs> I went up to visit the stone, uh, to visit Geenland, because I used to, I used to study serial killers for a while. So um, I went up to, I lived near Plainfield, Wisconsin, and I drove up there to see where Geen lived and all that. When we went to visit the stone, it was really crazy to me because there was a lot of old people there, like visiting their 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 family members' graves, and then there's a bunch of dirtbags over here partying around Ed Geen's gravestone, so and it was- says stuff. Did what? it become like an infamous site where people would just go yeah. and like have a beer and hang out, like Jim Morrison's tomb in uh, in, yeah. uh, in Paris? But it's all graffitied. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's, yeah, it, was like, it was like Car Six 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 was carved in there, and and even the words "I masturbate to your picture every day" was scrawled across. <laughs> I'm like, Black marker. And I'm just like, you know, fuck it. We're coming back and stealing this shit for the right reasons. I'm going to take it to people who want it, and I'm going to take it from people who don't want it. You know, because I would like. If I had an elderly person I cared for in my life, which I don't, but if I did, no, I do. There's some people. But, but yeah, would uh, you want them buried next to Ed Gein? No, and I wouldn't want my grandma or someone going to a fucking funeral play, a graveyard to pay respect to someone to have that shit there. You know, it's like, a bunch of scoff laws sitting there. Yeah, like uh, so. I'm going to bring the stone to the scoff laws. Fuck it. Okay. So we go up there like it was a public servant. It was a public servant. <laughs> yeah. You're a cherub of justice. That's right. And it was justice. And so we go, I go up there with two young kids. The one, kid, one, one young kid's working with me. I come up the plane. He's like, yeah, let's do it. I'll get my mom's car. And Amy thinks, like, right away, it's typical fucking wife, right? She goes, she goes, right away, oh, it's like, don't worry. It's been done before. I felt like Homer Simpson when I left. Trust me. <laughs> like, Amy's like, listen, this has been done a hundred times. You're going to get busted at the border. I'm here to bail you out. I, I don't see oh, how so you I picked know- it up. How, I mean, wasn't it like a couple hundred pounds? <laughs> Yeah, when we woke up in the morning, though, uh, yeah. Okay, how do I pick it up? So it's like more than 800 pounds. It's, it's like, like mighty. Like I worked in plumbing, so I, I've lifted water heaters, cast iron tubs. I've lifted some heavy stuff. I brought two kids that were pretty strong. One of the guys was really like he was a lumberjack kind of guy. The other kid was strong, physically well-being young kid. So we go to lift this stone in the truck and this fucking car. It's backed up there. And we kick it over and we dig it out. And I'm like, let's go. Ready? One, two, three. And they get it up. And we can't get in. And they drop it. And they're like, dude, we can't do it. And I'm like, I pick up the crowbar. I'm I'm like, you little motherfuckers. Listen, I'll kill you if you don't fucking get it. So I get violent. Like, I grab this crowbar, literally, and I'm threatening them young. We're going to fucking get this thing in what there. What time right. of night was this? Um, It was about 10 o'clock at night. We okay. did it right at 10 because we didn't want to be at 3, 4 in the morning. Yeah, yeah. And we want to hit it right at the time. <clears throat> so I'm threatening them. I'm like, listen, we had. if you got it up six inches, you can get it up there. You're going to do it. And the guy's like, I'm going to throw up my bag. I go, better than a crowbar to the temple. <laughs> you got to agree with that because that's what really is going to happen. I came up here. We're taking the stone. Had you known Lance back then, you could have had him puke on them or threatened to. Exactly. Yeah, you know. Might have helped. Exactly. Uh, yeah, but anyway, they got it in the truck, and it drove home just like a clown car. 
Dude, it's like fucking like the bumper wanted to scrape on the ground. It practically it's like a clown car. There's a it's like his mom's little I don't know Vega or some shit. It's like a little fucking station, small little mini Chinese station wagon, fucking with a big stone in the back. So it's like you know, like the whole thing's like wheelie. Yeah, the whole it's back like, end you know, scraping. There's sparks flying. Yeah, but we're driving four hours back home with a back end scraping with a huge stone in the back. I don't even know how we made it home, but we did. So so what happened to it? What'd you do with it? Well, I had it in my house waiting to use it for a publicity stunt, and I didn't know what I would ever use it for. So what I started using it for was um, I did gravestone rubbings <laughs> <laughs> because I could conveniently do them when I woke up in the morning or whatever. So yeah. I'd sit there in my underwear doing gravestone rubbings, you know, and selling Gene gravestone rubbings. And then, and plus, uh, you know, if you, if you think about it, you're the only person that has access to that. Right. Yeah, so it's you like know, I, it's I can set the, market. the price. I own the market, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the gain monopoly over here right so so um yeah i saw sell the sell the last rubbing before the stone was stolen <laughs> about <laughs> 40 times <laughs> and and then we took it out of the angry right mail tour to get publicity oh, okay so, so you i brought it on tour so when we brought it up to seattle the seattle cops came to get it and arrest me when they Wait. tried to arrest me what the cops came and arrested you for stealing the Ed Gein stone? No, no, no. We brought it on tour. I had to have it. Listen to this. So we brought the Gein stone on tour. And in order to bring it on tour, it was so heavy, right? I brought it to a, a place where they cut it in half. <laughs> so they cut the stone in half, so we bring half the stone with us. So the Seattle police come, and they're trying to arrest me. And I go, you can't arrest me. That's, you can't take that stone. It's mine. They go, this is stolen property. We're going to arrest you. I go, prove it. There's no serial number on it. Like, this is a stone. We have pictures of it. I go, look, it's not the same height. And who wants it back? That's you know, what I, mean, I said. family I said, say, hey, we're, we're, we need this stone back? Right. They were just mad because I promoted it. I did it on purpose. You know, oh, I, okay. I stole it and then stuck it in their face. Afterwards, when they took it, I called them up after the tour and said, I want my stone back. And the cop got all crazy and goes, you come up here and take it back. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious because I, I had heard rumor, you know, someone told me like years ago that you had Ed Gein's gravestone. And I was like, it's a strange object to acquire. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting. So what ended up happening to it? Is it have you seen well, it again or fucking, did you give it away? He, he's a grave robber. He's a fucking grave robber. How the fuck does anyone care that his stone got stolen? What happened to it? Where it is now? Okay, because, uh, the Seattle police took it. They returned it to the, the police department there. <clears throat> what they did was it's been sitting in a garage. I know the garage, and it's an unlocked garage, too. <laughs> it's in a garage, and it's the lady who used to take care of the, the grounds on the, the funeral home. And they, listen to this, Wisconsin, since I took the stone, since, since they got it back, I mean, they've been talking about putting it in a museum of their own. Look at that. They're totally just stealing your idea. N not the only one. So before we get to the topic of this week's show, the release of the West Memphis Three, I know uh, Shane and Amy both have a, lot of, a little bit of input here on this. A uh, quick word from our sponsor, Audible.com. Uh, people, as you know, Audible is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, information, and educational programming. Um, you can listen whenever and wherever you want. I mean, you can seriously just have like 10 books in your pocket and pull them out and listen anytime. 
They have over 1,000 science and tech titles, over 1,100 science fiction and fantasy titles, over 75,000 titles to choose from. Every genre. Audible has it covered. So go to audiblepodcast.com slash diddle and get your free audiobook today. I bet you some of Shane's books are available in Audible form, are they? I don't know. You got any? I'm sure like one or two. So, uh, are they, are they audio books? Are you saying? Or, yeah, they, 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 like these audio books, you can download and just uh, put them in your uh, your iPod player. They, oh, so yeah, they speak to you, correct? They, well, they don't converse with you, but they, they you can play them. But you can't talk back to the audio book that's playing. Well, you hear them, yes. They're yes, audio. you hear them, but uh, yeah. you couldn't like uh, you know if you're listening to Jane Eyre, you couldn't be like that's bullshit. That never happened in Jane Eyre. Well, I've, never like, re- I've never recorded. <laughs> I've never recorded an audio book. I've never never had anything like that, I, I don't think. Not yet. You, you, you never, yeah. yeah, you never know. People, go check it out. Audiblepodcast.com slash diddle. So, yeah, getting back to the agenda. This is the main reason I had both you guys here on the show, is to talk about the release of the West Memphis 3, which just happened last week. West Memphis 3 were jailed for nearly, like, almost 18 years in Arkansas State Prison. Um, Damian Eccles was sentenced to death. Jesse Miss Kelly Jr. was sentenced to life imprisonment. And uh, Jason Baldwin was sentenced to life imprisonment. Uh, both these teenagers, were, or these three teenagers, were tried and convicted in the murders of three boys in West Memphis, Arkansas, back in like 1993. Um, but they were just released, actually, last week, and last Friday. And uh, they, you know, the case opened up, allowed the public once again to become aware of, I would say, just like, this is just a major injustice. Just showed, uh, you know, weakness in our uh, judicial system. But it was a major case back in the 90s. I mean, not, not only just because it, it is the whole, like, satanic, you know, satanic cult hysteria was, was played. But also, uh, you know, the musicians and celebrities and documentaries that were made about these, uh, these three guys. Uh, the, the thing is, though, through the years, I feel a lot of people had forgotten about them. Or just accepted the fact that they had been railroaded by the justice system. And, 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 and will never be released. But I think a lot of younger listeners didn't even know about them at all up until like uh, just this past week. So um, that's kind of the topic of the, of the show here is I wanted to talk about uh, what, what was your guys' reaction when you heard that the West Memphis Three had been released from prison? <clears throat> wow. Well, I guess for me it was a lot of stuff, but I ultimately just happy for him. I mean, you know, I couldn't help but be happy for him. Uh, I just... <sighs> I mean, Me, you know, having filmed at that event and having inside, having had arguments with some of the people that uh, were helping Damien and, and the crew out and and having some, uh, you know, problems in, inside that organization, I had some, like, critique of things. But I was just happy, you know, that these guys got out of jail, man. It was a bad story. And I guess the one thing I saw, like, I watched a little of the, the coverage – and I, I saw him when he got out, and he's doing the press conference, and they're sitting there, and they're all intense. And then I got to see that Damien Eccles and Jason at a party afterwards. And you can tell that they had been freshly laid. They'd been fucked. <laughs> and I as really soon enjoyed, as they got out? Yeah, like their girls fucked them, and you can tell in their face. Like they were in this press conference, and they're all you know serious, like I'm in prison, fuck you, you know, I'm depressed. <laughs> but then they're at this party, and they fucking Damien guy – he had a smile from ear to ear like, dude, I have just been fucking late. It's been 18 <laughs> years. I've been in the pussy. And it's not fake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, could you imagine? Like, he wasn't fucking a Fifi towel. This is like the first real, 
like yeah. you know, like biological pussy he's had in eighteen years. I can imagine. So, I mean, it's, so that I was my even, thought. I can't even fathom that. Yeah, a guy's been on death row for ten years without the touch of a person, without human contact. So that's what I just tripped out. I was like, I was very happy and almost wanting to, you know, be sad, you know, like tearful or whatever. But I was, I wasn't. It was surprisingly wasn't. But it was. Uh, that's I, what I thought of. Was just, you what? wonder though, with the whole circumstances surrounding their their release, I wonder if it was like a victory or kind of a consolation prize. I mean, they were they were freed from prison, but they were not exonerated of the crimes that they were. They've well, been I guess of. like 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 that like that Damien said in that press conference. He's like, I was in fucking solitary confinement for ten years. I just wanted to get the fuck out. <laughs> so you know, I'm. I would imagine it's pretty joyous time, no matter what. You know, like. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, if you think about it. They, so they made a plea. I think the uh, what it was is called a uh, an Alford plea, which allowed them to assert their innocence while acknowledging that the prosecutors have enough evidence to convict them. Right. <clears throat> but this was a plea. But but by by accepting the judge, accepting the plea, they were sentenced just they sentenced three to time served. So they were released with 10 year suspended sentences, having served 18 years and 78 days in prison. Right. But so yet, they get the. So the, the, well, they, all, the, all, the, all those people, all the, all the other sides doing is covering their ass for lawsuits saying, hey, we had enough evidence to convict you the first time. You're going to agree to that, right? And say yes. And they say, that's all it is. And now they can't sue for wrongful conviction. Right. But the thing is, the thing that people aren't talking, they, they can't talk about is that it was a police informant that is the biggest suspect in, in the case right now that the DNA has led to Terry Hobbs, Terry Hobbs' friend's DNA's and the crime scene and Terry Hobbs was a police informant. And so there, he must have some good information for them to not want to convict him for the crime. Well, th- this is why that, yeah, this, uh-huh. this was told to us when we were there, like when we were in, in West Memphis, when we were videotaping the event that we, we have like four, if you search on a year at the wheel.com, you search WM three, we have four parts of a video on there. And I thought I watched the other night and I was actually, I'm proud of myself and proud of what we the coverage we had because we got the story and we we talked to people that were right there in that zip code and people told us that it was a government you know cop informant and then we find this out later on like we got to hang out with um Mark Byers John Mark Byers John, so real quick before we get to that just for our our listening audience who who are not familiar with this story, let's, the the murders. What exactly happened, or what these uh, three teenagers were charged with, is uh, talk about a a five star sick and wrong story. I mean, you can't get much more sick than this. Uh, prosecutors claim that the three teenagers at the time killed three eight year old boys: Stevie Branch, Michael Moore, and Christopher Byers. And you're just talking talking about Christopher Byers' father. Um, right. They say it was part of a satanic ritual, and uh, the children's bodies were found stripped naked, hogtied with their own shoelaces, their right ankles tied to their right wrist behind their backs, the same with their left arms and legs. Their clothing was found in the creek, some of it twisted around sticks that had been thrust into a muddy ditch bed. Uh, two pairs of the boys' underwear were never recovered. Uh, Christopher Byers also had deep lacerations and injuries to his scrotum and his penis. This is pretty, this is pretty sick shit. Pretty graphic. And so... What ended up happening is that they claim because of the, the, the graphic, uh, you know, the mutilation here, that it was uh, part of a satanic ritual. Now, my question is, why were Damien, Jason, and Jesse the first ones fingered? Like, why, why did they look at them and be like, okay, there's a satanic ritual, it's them? Because they were outcasts in their town. They were 
three, what, 17 and 18 year old kids that listened to Slayer and read weird books and they were easy targets. I think it just came down to like, you know, that just that perfect storm, wrong place, wrong time, wrong person. You know what I mean? They just looked to the right and they're like, he did it. And plus, it, did. you know, it was a different time back then. I mean, this is before Hot Topic. This is before, you know, uh, uh, before like, uh, you know, Death Clock and, all, you know, like when, when uh, Evil and, and, and Ozfest and shit like that. It's like back Wait, then there was D, P. Yeah, hold on, D, D, D? No, no, no. That, that, that stuff still existed. And I just got to that. It wasn't that much of a different time then because you got to think like how we're tied into this, how we are tied into it. Me and Amy. Like, I'm a friend of Anton LaVey's, right? So he made me a reverend in the Church of Satan. So people say I'm a Satanist, even though I'm an atheist. Okay? And I'm living up in Ely, and I make a soda pop. And that's pretty recent. That's a handful of years ago where they literally ran me out of town. And people go, how do you get run out of town? Well, you get threatened with your fucking life and your wife's life and your dog's life. And then your friends call you, and they throw you out of town. So we related to the West Memphis three-story. Well, so really. you're saying it's a, you know, it's a small town. But there was like – I'm, then- I'm saying that shit happens to this day. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but and, and the prejudice against atheists, prejudice against atheists, that's what you can get away with today. Yeah. You can prejudice against an atheist. You can fucking hurt a, a kid who says, I'm a Satanist, whether he's acting out, he's a metalhead, whatever, he's trying to figure things out. You can beat on those people and get away with it in this culture. It just surprises me that there's in still. I'm in this right now, right now, today, you can get away with that shit. I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me in a smaller town, but it's just, it's the thing is that the back then, I just remember in like the mid 90s or late 80s, there's the whole Parents Music Resource Center and this whole satanic paranoia that used to go around. And I imagine like, you know, three goth kids in a small town back then, maybe one with like a Juvie record. It was just, you know, they're like, okay, well, this is a cut and dry case. You know, and, you're, and people, you know, you're right about that. You're right about that. As I guess uh, you're talking about that was the ass end of the satanic panic. You're right about that. Well, that, that whole. But I mean, I don't think it's ever fully, you know, evaporated. I think that that feeling is still there. That sentiment's still there. Yeah, I'm people just that I'm paranoia. Pers- yeah, I'm personally uh, involved in it. So it's like, oh, man, I see that. I see that shit every day in big cities. Like we were in Hammond. We had to. Nah, whatever. <laughs> you're like, ah, I don't even want to go there. So the, at the time of their arrest, Baldwin was 16, uh, Eccles was 18, uh, Miss Kelly was 17. Uh, they said that uh, Miss Kelly, who uh, I guess he had lear- learning disabilities, had a, they was forced into a confession against the other two. Mm-hmm. And that's what led to the, the, the quick uh, and easy con- conviction here. Right. So, I mean, in less than a year, they were convicted. Uh, Eccles was sentenced to death, and the two others were like life imprisonment. Less than a year. Just, just done. Whole jury's against them. I think yeah. part of it was, too, they said that the uh, – I mean, I mentioned the police were under enormous pressure from the community to, like, close this case. But yet now, now you're, you're bringing up that uh, – so you're bringing up that there are other elements to it, such as Hobbes and Yeah, Byers. absolutely. I think – well, I think ultimately the thing that you got to bring up also is that there's, a, there's, there's HBO films called the Paradise Law series. Um, there's a documentary that was done on this. And those filmmakers, we interviewed them in our four short films. And the one thing that they brought up that I would agree with is that none of us would be talking about this case if it weren't for those documentaries that aired on HBO. Well, that, that's what my, my next question is. When did the art world take notice of this? Like, When did Henry Rollins become aware of the West Memphis Three or Eddie Vedder? Well, like you said something in your introduction, how it – it's been a case that's gotten a lot of press and it really isn't a case that's if it wasn't for right. Henry Rollins and Pearl Jam and the few people that have gotten behind this case, 
It wouldn't get any press. You just think these be- guys would still be rotting in jail? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Just before um, we started our road trip, there was new DNA evidence that there was none of their DNA at the crime scene. Like, they finally got DNA testing done. And there was not a trace of their DNA there. There was other people's DNA in the shoelace or what have you. And that got press in Memphis, and it got press in Canada, and that was it. I did We did Google searches, and there were no American newspapers that covered that besides their local news. Well, it's it interesting was big you, news you, in Europe. It's interesting you say that, because that happened in 2008, and no one heard about this. Right. And no. they, they, they uncovered that DNA evidence in 2008, and no one heard about it. Right. And it was like, it was like a... a black mark or something because we did we tried to do a benefit to raise <clears throat> benefit, money for them and we've never now i've been doing this for 20 years i have always gotten in at least the fucking entertainment listings when you send out press releases i've never not gotten press man not ever we what? couldn't get anyone to cover the benefit we were doing for the west memphis three no press wanted to touch it, not like the weeklies in Chicago. Nobody wanted to cover because it was the West Memphis Three. I'm surprised and I by t- that. Like, what, why? I mean, is it too controversial? I mean, they didn't or- to touch that story. That's what they told me. You know what, dude? I think it's it really is a systematic thing where <clears throat> shit, and I'm, I'm far from a conspiracist, but shit's tied in. And I, I think it just comes down to just to put the word Satan on it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe that—that's what it is, or maybe and I think major media just does not rock the boat. So if it bleeds, it leads. It's okay, but anything like that—that that fucks with people's belief systems—it's the least bit polarizing. They're like, you know what? We don't want to touch it. Our advertisers are going to freak out. When I got when I did a rape board game, the Goad book, when I republished the rape book, so um, you're you're referring. Hold on a second. You're referring to Answer Me did the rape yeah. issue, which is just. Yeah. If people, if you can ever find that, you should buy it because it's uh, definitely a keepsake. It's a masterpiece. But when I republished that, God was in prison. I repub- we, we republished that. Um, I thought it'd get a lot of grief. Well, yeah, there was a, got a lot of controversy, but a lot of people were like, yeah, I want that. You know, whether they were, it was masturbatory or whatever, they wanted that book. Satan, the word Satan, put Satan on a book. They don't want a fucking deal. They don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Bookstores want- won't sell it. Everybody's no, just like, I don't want to go tense. anywhere near that. Yeah, it's a whole other thing. But you have to think about who there's a very small, powerful part of our population that is really fanatically religious. And and in West Memphis, it was truly like when we went down there to smell it, to look at it, it was everything when when town. I mean, West Memphis, Arkansas. Yeah, have you seen the video, the, the Paradise Lost documentaries? I've seen the first one. There's I never saw the second one. There's the third one coming out, too. Yeah, right. Have you seen our videos on West Memphis 3? I have not seen that, actually. Oh, man. I really, I would love you to look at them. And there's even clips that you might be able to throw into the video or into the show or something. It's some good stuff. I mean, we really got the you story. Know, I'll, throw a, I'll definitely throw a link up to it uh, when I post we, the show. We harassed the filmmakers. We were there at this event, and we knew it was staged just for their part three. So we felt... At that point, as a big West Memphis Three supporter, I felt, hey, fuck you. I don't like being duped. You guys got me to this event, and it's only for HB. It's only for the cameras. It's not for political. Yeah, but didn't they, did they donate some of the proceeds from that to the uh, defense fund? 
They may have, but I don't like. Uh, I didn't like the fake trickery of HBO getting people <laughs> a rally. HBO's you know, so an opportunist. Started, yeah, and I, I questioned them, and I questioned them, and we got like the Mark Byers. We're at Mark Byers' house hanging out, and he's like, "They're you know, we're they're doing it for a movie." You know. So saying. how did how did you get access to Mark Byers, who's who was one of the suspects, right? Wasn't he? Uh, yeah, email. The, the great, the great internet has opened up. Before we were on the road before Facebook and all that. But you yeah, know they they had that uh, that website wm3.org and I think mainly it was you know the support of like people like Henry Rollins or Metallica, Eddie Vedder, Johnny Depp even donated money. And yeah, yeah as we were mentioning the documentaries, there's three of them. There's uh, Paradise Lost, The Child Murders at Robin Hood Hills, Paradise Lost Two, Revelations, and the upcoming uh, documentary is uh, Paradise Lost Three, Purgatory, which I guess uh, you must have been there for some of the filming. So who do you think committed the murder? The murders. If you had to take a wild stab, like your, your gut feeling, who do you think no, is responsible unintended, for the Unintended? Unintended? <laughs> take a wild stab at a young cock there? If you had to cut through a scrotum of an eight-year-old boy, take who do you think? Take a wild slice at a young boy's penis. <laughs> um, well, you know, it's hard for me. I, how I see it the other night is I thought about this, and I thought really long and hard, meditated on almost... Uh, I don't meditate though, but you know, and thought it's a great about thing it. to meditate about though. What I mean is, I smoke some weed. <laughs> uh, I thought about it long and hard, and I thought, wow, the possibilities, like the honest possibilities, are that Jason Maselli did something weird, but then you look at the case, you think, huh, Terry Hobbs. Terry Hobbs makes so much sense. And now he but, he oh, was hold a on, friend. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, this is going to get me murdered, probably. <laughs> Terry Hobbs. Makes a lot of sense. And why is that? But hold on. But so does the case. So does the thing that Mark Byers still makes sense to me. And I hate saying that. He's the, the guy, stepfather, right? And he's alive and out in, the, out in the thing. But he makes sense to me, too. Okay, let's say Terry Hobbs is a police informant. And let's say Mark Byers was in prison. And he's hooked up to, to, hooked up to prisoners. Hooked up to underground criminal activity. He has connections. The cop informant. So it, he has every right, he has every reason to say Terry Hobbs is the murderer. He has every reason to say Terry Hobbs is the murderer if Terry Hobbs is an informant. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, he's probably just trying to cover his own ass. Did Mark, Mark Byers is a scary dude. We stayed with him in you his say, place. You, sp- you stayed at his house? Oh, yeah, we stayed at his house. He le- when we left, he gave us a five-pound kielbasa you know one of those wrapped sausages and and a block of cheese and a bunch of box of crackers and an ounce of weed wow <laughs> was a big bag of, you know it's white trash weed but we loved it he gave us like an ounce of weed right and it was cool he was real cool and so he was supportive of road trip and he was like you know i like road trips and there was a lot of people on the road that were like that like you know you're doing this you road trip and here's some money here's some coffee whatever and he gave us a big bundle of shit but and did we, you did you have that feeling like wow this guy kind of is creepy I kind of well, not only did I have the feeling listen um brother I don't know where you I don't know where you come from but, the deer. but me and Amy we come from zip codes where um, I don't know maybe we actually, maybe we had a friend with and he drove picked us up and there was a body in the trunk I ain't saying yeah. that really happened to either of us <laughs> that could have happened in one of our lives we we understand killers. We have friends. So did that you are, get that vibe from Mark Byers? Yes. That Amy, we you understood. did too? Well, I'm so, I mean, Mark was very, very nice to us. 
But we're friends with killers, so the killers are but, nice. Yeah, yeah. Killers aren't mean. <laughs> they say, don't walk, go get milk, and go. I'm gonna kill you. I don't doubt that he's killed someone in his life. I mean, no question about that. Yeah. But if he killed his stepson, I don't necessarily think so. No, I, you know. I well, think Terry Hobbs probably did it. It seems like that's the deal. We, Terry Hobbs. We watched well, his police interview tape. Terry Hobbs. Mark Byers had like a bootleg underground, like something he got from a police station of the interview. Terry Hobbs. And it was pretty damning, I thought. You've got to go see my videos. What does he say? There? The well, people say there's DNA evidence actually connecting Hobbs to the, the shoelace. And his best kind of friend, scene. yeah. And his best friend. And so, Mark Byers, Mark Byers goes on and explains how he did it. In one of my videos, he's like, he worked at a butchering factory. He knew how to gut them. Good thing he didn't gut them. You know, it's my <laughs> scary, videos, dude. I, well, I, I definitely videos. have to check that out. But, you know, but that's the thing. The most important thing is, is the killer is still out there. And, uh, you know, I think it's great that, uh, you know, the, the, the West Memphis Three have been released and now they can continue to fight for their innocence and hopefully eventually clear their names. But, you know, they'll never be able to get those 17, 18 years back. Or sue the state even for wrongful conviction. But at least they are free and uh, are allowed to, you know, have sex. So, uh, <laughs> real sex. Right. Yeah, that's not prison true. sex. So, that's, uh, right. th th that's definitely a good thing. It's Butt Plug Month on AdamandEve.com. Show that you still care by bringing something new into the bedroom. And by something new, I mean a butt plug. Because if you order right now and use coupon code DIDDLE, you get 50% off your first item, a gift so sensual I can't even tell you about it on this podcast that talks about murder and bukkake, and on top of all of that, free shipping. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, adamandeve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE, that's D-I-D-D-L-E. So people, uh, next week, we, we got, I know we got a few phone calls on the Sick and Wrong hotline, we kind of don't have time to get to them this time, but uh, people, 206-666-3846 is that number. Give us a call and uh, maybe send your, your well wishes to Wang. And uh, you know, for his uh, sexual reassignment surgery, uh, you can also email the show at sickandwrongpodcast at hotmail.com. Um, if you haven't already, the sick and wrong forum, I'm surprised you guys aren't on the forum. It's all, it's, I'll definitely post a link to some of your videos on the sick and wrong forum because I know that I, I, I think a lot of people there can relate to it. But there's a flourishing community that accepts all newcomers with open arms and a tongue kiss. Don't be frightened. Join up the Sigurong Forum today. Just go to SigurongPodcast.com and click on the forum. Also, uh, thank you for subscribing to the show on iTunes. That's probably the easiest way to give uh, Sick and Wrong exposure. Uh, just go to iTunes, subscribe to the show, download it from there, listen from there, and uh, yeah, you definitely help us out. Also, make sure you get a new t-shirt at the Sick and Wrong store. Uh, you know, you, you always look cool when you're wearing Sick and Wrong apparel. So uh, the new Quado tees are available now. So Shane and Amy, thanks for being on the show, guys. It's been fascinating. I should have had you on like years ago, but um, it's it's definitely been really cool to talk to you. I've been catching up with you and talking about the West Memphis Three and all that. Um, what do you do? You guys have any projects in the works right now? Uh, websites I could promote? Anything I could promote? Um, not really. You're at the wheel, ShaneBugby.com, Amy. Yeah, we have the book and movie coming out at the end of the year. We have a website called Creative Class Trump's Ruling Class. Dot com and that's sort of where we put a lot of our art stuff up. We're, we're about to, at least. It's it's not up yet, but it will be. And so you can find out about a lot of the stuff at your site, ShaneBugby.com. And then uh, you're at the wheel. You can do a search on YouTube, too. And we'll, we'll put up a link to it uh, as well. Well, on that note, uh, Sick or Wrong Song of the Week. 
Uh, this is from the LP, Rise Above, uh, 24 Black Flag songs to benefit the West Memphis Three. Uh, it's the 13th album by the Rollins Band. I'm sure you own that one, don't you? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when this came out. Um, but you know what's cool about The album consists of covers of Black Flag songs by the Rollins Band with vocalists from just uh, different rock, hip-hop, punk, and uh, metal bands. Mike Patton's on it doing Six Pack, Iggy Pop's doing Fix Me. Well, we're going to end the show with Rise Above, title track, uh, done by Chuck D and uh, Henry Rollins. So uh, that will be the official Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. Shane yeah. and Amy, thank you for being on the show. You guys are great to talk Honor. to. Thank Welcome you. Welcome back anytime. And let me know when the book and the DVD comes out. Uh, we'll definitely uh, promote it, put a link up to it here on the show. It was an honor. Thank you so much. We really love Sick and Wrong. People, we'll be back next week. Uh, until then, take it sleazy. West Memphis, Arkansas. Get ready, Get ready to go worldwide. Let's get it on. Jealous cowards trying to control. Rise above, we're gonna rise above. They just doing what we say. Rise above, we're gonna rise above. Try to stop what we do. Rise above, we're gonna rise above. When they can't do it themselves.